We're reading this morning from Matthew 15:11 through 28. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Lead them, they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth, goes into the stomach, and then out of the body. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what makes a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. It's such a privilege to be able to uh, remind us all that Pastor Rick Ruther was once our pastor here in this church, and he went on to become the regional director for our region. It's such a pleasure, and with great expectation for edification, that we welcome you here again, Pastor Ruther. Thank you, Bunny. It's good to be back with you this morning. I looked in the bulletin and I saw for just a moment, Bunny said, I'd like to take just a minute before you speak. And you did notice that she had the pastoral prayer and I took her part. So I held my breath. I thought maybe she was reciprocating. Um, Let me just share a couple of items with you before we go to our message. It's good to be part of the family of God because no matter where you go, You can find like believers worshiping as part of the world church. And I look out uh, this morning and see a lot of faces that I recognize immediately as familiar. And I see some folks that uh, you wonder, who is Rick Rothler? And that's that's not to be unexpected. I occasionally drop in when I'm not one of the other 30 churches in our region. So you see less of me rather than more of me. So if you're a guest visiting with us for the first time, we're glad that you're here. And you'll really like the sermon next week as Pastor Honus 
will be back with us uh, from Wisconsin. Currently, there are 35,000 young people filled with energy uh, gathered in Oshkosh, Wisconsin for an international Pathfinder Camporee, which is the equivalent of a Boy Scout meeting. Now, can you, be imagined, can you just imagine with me for just a moment of the energy level of 35,000 young people and being one of their chaperones? I don't know if they're going to come back tired, but I'll guarantee you their chaperones will. I spoke with a couple of the folks back in Oshkosh last, yesterday by phone, and they said there was going to be a massive baptism, uh, the Pathfinders and Pathfinder clubs, and that over 40 will be baptized uh, from our conference at the Oshkosh meeting. So I say praise the Lord. Our church is in good shape when we look out and see uh, the vast ways that God is calling young people uh, to be part of the church and take up the mission and the purpose of the church. I bring you greetings from our conference office and region offices, and this isn't going to be more than 45 more seconds um, as well. Recently, we hosted uh, in Antelope Valley a series of meetings by Bill Santos, the international speaker and director for Canada. We had uh, about five or six churches joined together. The Lancaster Performing Arts Center seats 750 people. We stepped out in prayer and faith. Opening night, there were 890 people in attendance. Uh, you ask how it, how it went and uh, how, how the Lord blessed. Night by night, we had between 600 and 800 people there. It was very encouraging. There was a good spirit in the auditorium. We finished the last uh, 10 days with baptisms during each meeting. And to date, they baptized 103 people up in the Lancaster area. So I'd ask for your continued prayers as God continues to bless them. I think the best days of the church are just ahead. What do you think, friends? Well, let's pray together as we go to his word this morning. Gracious Father, we come humbly before your throne of grace as we open your sacred pages this morning, Lord. Speak to our hearts and to our lives. Place that pearl of truth within our hearts that will cause us to desire to have a closer walk with you. O oh, Father, bless us not because of our worthiness, but because of the worthiness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come humbly to him today, seeking that blessing, for we ask it through his precious name. Amen. We live in an interesting day, in an interesting society, in this location, don't we? If you turn on the news, or if you read the newspaper at all, there's always something that is splashing across the headlines. And it's either great news, the economy is getting better, or it's terrible news, the economy is going down the tank, or it's uh, news out of Hollywood, or this event has happened. And it seems that we almost live uh, in a time of extremities. If it's not great, it's hardly worth mentioning. Isn't that true? We live in a day where football players earn tens of millions of dollars a season. We live in a day of where you have your 15, 20 minutes of fame, and just as quick as your meteoric rise, you vanish from the headlines. And it's almost the extremities of life. You're either great or you're nothing at all. You either rise to the pinnacle or you kind of drift aimlessly through life. So how is it with you? 
Where is your greatness? You noticed our message today is great is your with ellipsis. So where is your greatness today? Is your greatness found in your talents and your abilities? Is your greatness found in the events of life? The name you've made for yourself, the accomplishments, your possessions, the people around you, the issues you face at times? Where is your greatness? Some of you reflect back. You have uh, the vantage point of a few decades like I do. And you chronologically look at the great points in your life. The great, great events of your life, when you're first born, said mommy for the first time. And then at some distant point uh, in the future said daddy. Uh, isn't it amazing how kids always mumble kind of mommy first and then daddy second? The first time that your child took their first step, that first day of school where your heartstrings stretched, that vast distance between home and school, the first time that you perhaps excelled in something in school yourself, that first A, perhaps it was the first C, if you were the A student and somehow got that first C, you remember the first time that you held the hand of the other part of the human race, the first date, the first marriage, the first child, the first grandchild, the first time you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Great points of remembrance, but life isn't always lived in the great points. Great events. Where is your greatness? Is your greatness in the events of life? Is your greatness in the vehicle you own? Is the greatness in the attainments that you, uh, the accomplishments and the attainments of life that God has blessed you with? There's an interesting story I found. I found. Uh, I listened to a message about six or eight weeks ago in Matthew chapter 15. I'd invite you to open uh, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, our scripture reading of this morning. And thank you very much, Ray and Kathy, for reading that uh, to us this morning. I thought that was well done. Didn't you, folks? Uh, The message of that passage was clear. Great is your. What is great in your life? As we look at this story, I'd like to suggest to you, there's four simple words that form the basis of our message. I, I believe that life is complex and simple at the same time. Do you, friends? But I believe the teachings of Jesus are simple to comprehend, that they, can, that they can go with us. You may forget everything that I said today, but I'll bet you can remember four simple words. At least I hope you do before we're done. Great is your... Now we're going to find out what those last, that last word will be in just a moment. Great is yours. We find here the setting that Jesus has been teaching... Uh, he's been teaching the great truth that it's not that what comes out of a person's life that defiles him, but what we harbor in our hearts, in our inner souls, because it's out of that which is the inner part of our lives that flows forth the fruit of our lives. Do you believe that, friends? God is concerned about our outward behavior, but he's equally or more deeply concerned about what we plant in our heart and in our inner soul. Do you believe that, friends? 
Because it is that which is in the wellspring of life, the well of life, that causes the wellspring to carry out in our actions, in the way that we treat one another, and how we conduct ourselves. So what we're dealing with here today really is part of the core and crux of what it means to have a close relationship with Christ and how to develop and cultivate that piece of life. Because all of our outward actions are an indicator of that which we hold dear uh, inside in the values that we have. Matthew chapter 15. We find there a story. We find there a story in Matthew chapter 15. It's looking for the shelf that used to be here. Just one moment. In Matthew chapter 15, we find there the teachings of Jesus that it's not, uh, it's not the outward indicators of life, but the inward peace uh, that he cherishes and values so much. And a lady, a woman of Canaan, came out of the coasts, verse 22, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She had a great problem. Great is her problem. Four words. We're going to look at four aspects of four words that we'll summarize with. But notice with me her problem first. The problems in life are often great problems. Here's a lady that comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I have a grievous problem. I am vexed. My daughter is demon-possessed. That's a serious problem. That's not an issue that my daughter is misbehaving. It's an issue of, Lord, you need to help me. She is vexed with the devil. I would think that anyone who would come to Jesus and say, help me with my daughter, Lord, she's vexed to the devil, that Jesus would stop whatever he's doing and would answer that request in prayer almost immediately. Wouldn't you, folks? Do you believe that God is strong enough to handle a problem like that? Oh, you're here with me. You're wondering where we're going. Do you believe that God is strong enough to handle this problem? Do you believe that Jesus, all Jesus needed to do was instantly say, your prayer request has been heard, that devil has vanished. The chains of heaven have been placed upon him, and he's gone. It's an interesting story, because here we have, essentially at that time, what, we, what would be considered an unbeliever. Somebody who is outside the chosen community of Christ. We find this story in the story, a parallel story in Matthew chapter 8, of somebody who was outside. We'll not look there. Make a footnote. Read the story of the centurion. Both individuals who were not part of the community, uh, God's specially blessed community at that time, coming to Jesus and making a petition of Jesus. And it's interesting to note, the first thing is that she had a great problem. Her problem was great. There was no place else to go with her problem. So if we were filling in her ellipsis today, it would be, great is her problem. She had an issue that nobody else could help her with. Have you ever faced serious problems in life? Oh, it's awful quiet. Let me, let me ask that question a different way. Look around the sanctuary. Have you, do you see anybody in the sanctuary that's ever had a serious problem in life? Sometimes it's easier to look outside, isn't it? But truth be told, we all face various serious problems in life. And there's no place to go. Great is our problem. Great is our problems in life. 
It may, be, it may be an issue that you can't talk to anybody about for fear it'll get out. It may be something you don't want to face. It may be something you struggled with 5, 10, 20 years, 30 years. Great is our problem, and where are you going to go? Where are you going to turn to? Who can you talk to? What's the solution? This Canaanite woman only had heard about Jesus. She knew that if she made her way to Jesus, she knew that he would do something. He could help her. She came into the presence of Jesus and said, Lord, I know that you can help me. I know that you can help me. There was another problem, though. There was great as the problem. She knew she had a great problem, and she knew that great is the person that could help her with that problem. Did you catch that? Great is the person. Great is the person that can help that individual with that problem. However, does he do that? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But follow along carefully as we look at this story, uh, just, uh, just kind of uh, verse by verse. Let's look. Matthew chapter 15, verse, uh, verse 1, pardon me, verse 22. As she came to Jesus, verse 23 says, And he answered not a word, and his disciples came and uh, besought him, Send her away, for she cries after us. Jesus, I need your help. And Jesus is silent. Have you ever heard the thunder of silence? Have you ever been on your knees and said, Lord, I need your help and I need it now. Lord, I need that answer not in a week because I need to make the decision tomorrow. And it seems that your prayers kind of go up, maybe through the ceiling and bounce back down. Or it seems they go up to the gates of heaven And heaven is busy with everybody else on the earth. Great is the problem and great is the silence. How can it be that the great God of the universe, who loves us so so much, allows that thundering silence for a while in our life? Have you ever experienced it? What do you do when you go to Jesus with your problems? What do you do when the disciples around you are saying, Lord, We need your attention. Just send her away. She's not even part of the community of believers. And there's silence. And Jesus doesn't answer her request immediately. In fact, he does something that's almost antithetical of what we would consider the natural desires of Jesus. He uh, he said unto her in verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, wait a minute, Lord. You said you love her and would answer the prayers of her heart like anybody else because you want to bless her. But he says, wait a minute. I'm not even sent to somebody who's not part of the house of Israel. Great is her problem. Where is she going to go? Great is her solution in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when she goes to Jesus, great is the silence. Great is the time between the petition and the answer of that petition. And what does she do? Jesus almost rebukes her. What have I to do with you? The disciples are saying, send her away. Cast her away. Get her out of here. We're busy. But he answered not. 
And he said, I have come to the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Great is her problem. Great is her problem with people. She went looking for an answer. And the community of believers sought to send her away. Have you ever gone looking for an answer with people? Have you ever gone looking for an answer and sought the answer from people? Sure you have. Sometimes you get good counsel. Sometimes you get not so good counsel. Sometimes you get confused with the counsel. And sometimes you just don't know what to do. But when you go to Jesus and he doesn't say anything, it causes mass confusion in my mind. How about with you? When you get on your knees and say, Lord, I need your help and I need it now, and there's just silence on the other end, it's almost as if you're having a telephone conversation and you're talking with somebody and you say, are you still there? In the days of cell phones, you wonder, did they drop the call between cell towers? Can you hear me now? Uh, just a moment, I'll be another 20 seconds, a quarter mile down the road. Can you hear me now? Now, Lord, you said you're busy, you're on another call. I'm not of the house of Israel. You tell me that, that what are you doing? Are you going to cast your pearls to the dogs? And she simply pleads again. What's her plea? What's her plea? Verse 25. Lord, what? Lord, help me. Not a lot is recorded about this woman. I would find it interesting if it would be somebody, somebody from the blessed generation, somebody that was great, a great teacher, a great rabbi, maybe one of his disciples that Jesus said, John, you're great because of your faith. Matthew, you're great because of what you've done. You're great because you followed me. But here is this obscure woman. Here is this person who is not... In the forefront, here is somebody who's only heard about Jesus. Here is somebody who's hanging out in the edges of the community of believers. Here is somebody who's not really welcome as part of the family. And she finds her way through the crack in the crowd to come to Jesus and say, Lord, help me. My daughter is, is vexed with the devil. She's demon-possessed. And the Lord says, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know... <laughs> He just says, wait a minute. He doesn't say anything. Verse 26. But he answered and he said, Is it not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs? Now, I wrestle with this one. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Lord, how is it? You're going to take this poor woman who has a demon-possessed child and say, Wait a minute. I'm too busy. What am I going to do? Cast my pearls to the swine? You know, I, I... I would, I would rather help somebody else, he's telling this woman. Why would I cast my blessings? Why would I take blessings from the, my children and give it to you? Why would I take the blessings uh, that are designed for my children? Shall I cast it to the dogs? He's telling her that she's not, uh, if this is normal, <laughs> the value of uh, just normal humanity There's a cut above that he may value more, and she's somehow down here. About that time, I think I dust off my knees and say, I think I need to find another God. How about you, friends? I say that very carefully. If I went before somebody who had power and authority to grant my request, whether it's civil, whether it's spiritual, or whatever, and I ask that request three times, the first time there's silence. The second time... They say, you're not part of this society. You can leave. And the third time they say, wait a minute, I wouldn't even give it to my dog. 
and your request is somewhere under that, I would be taking my request elsewhere. How about you, friends? What would have happened if this lady had realized her great problem? What would have happened? Great is her problem with people. Great is the problem with the perseverance that Christ is looking for in her request. He doesn't answer it immediately. Great is the problem with silence. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt, for her daughter was made whole from that very hour. How is it, friends, in your life? Four simple words. Great is your what? Great is your problem? Great is your problem with people. Great is your problem with silence. Great is your problem with loving your possessions more than you love your family. Great is your problem with the things that you place in priority over the priorities of God. And the woman answered, and and Jesus answered the woman and said, O woman, great is what? Great is thy faith. And he granted her her request. An amazing story. A simple story. Oh, friends, that it might have come from the community of believers. Oh, that it might have been said of his disciples. His disciples, great is your faith. Great are the things you've done. Great is the way you have lived for me. But the object lesson that was to be penned in the sacred pages of scriptures, not for a quick read over, But for a read-over that says something like this, Great is thy faith, not because of the simple fact that you came forward, but great is your perseverance, great is your problem, great is your solution, great is your faith in me that I will indeed carry out your petitions today. How is it, friends, in your life? Faith is so important. I'd... I'd invite you to do two studies. We'll not have time to do them this morning together. Uh, There are about 35 verses in the book of Romans that talk about the importance of faith in the Christian walk, how faith is the core that we, uh, we place our belief in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the center part of a relationship that we're justified by faith. That in Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith, by faith Enoch, by faith Moses, by faith Isaac, by faith Abraham, by faith, and can you put your name there? By faith Ruth, by faith Tom, by faith Mary, by faith Alan, by faith Dale. Would your name be written there? By faith, you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, how is your faith today? Great is your something in life. Great is your problems of the past. Great is your problems of the future. Great is your problems of the present. Let me ask you, which of those three groups do you fit in today? Great is your problems of the past? Great is your problems of the present? Or great is your problems of the future? Hmm. I'll guarantee you may have gotten over your problems of the past. You may have a lull right here, but the devil has designed for you problems of the future. You may be looking at the problems of the future 
and saying, I'm not going to have those problems, I'll guarantee you, you will. Great is your faith. That will see you through those problems, through the problems of the past, through the problems of the present, through the problems of the future. But what is faith like anyway? For just a moment. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things not seen and the evidence of what? And the evidence of things hoped for. Great is thy faith. The things not seen. Another word for faith. Uh, let me back up just for a half a second. I needed to slip that in in case any of you forgot that phrase. In the original language in Matthew chapter 15, the word great comes from mega or meta. Great. It's super. It's not just, uh, it's just not average. It's like you go through McDonald's, you want to supersize it, even though they've done the PC thing and call it now, it's a value meal. They put in the large fries anyway. You know, it's not just a normal, it's, it's a supersize. Muy grande, extra large. It's a great, great is a faith. It's not just average faith, but great faith that God is asking us to have. But what is faith all about? The best word that I can use, a parallel word for faith, is simple trust. Do you have great trust today, friends? How many of you are trustworthy? How many of you struggle with trust at time to time? How many of you have fractured elbows? <laughs> trust is an interesting thing because great is the faith. This woman trusted Jesus to come to Jesus amidst all the perplexities and issues and problems of life to find her way to Jesus to say, Lord, I need you so much. Great is your faith, great is your trust. I had an experience of learning about faith and trust one, uh, one time on a mission trip. We were putting on a, a sheet metal roof on a small church in Santo Domingo. They had coated all of the sheets, uh, all of the galvanized sheets, so they would not rust, with a thin layer of oil uh, at, at the shipping dock. And so uh, two of us were assigned to put the deck screws through this uh, sheet metal and uh, that was coated with this thin layer of oil. And so I said, okay, this is great. I don't mind the heights. 20 feet above the concrete floor doesn't bother me at all. I'll be on one end of the rope, wrapped it around me, tied it to the truss behind me, and I said, uh, Randy, um, go ahead and screw that off. I got you. So he goes down there and he's screwing away. In about six hours, we're, we got most of the roof on, and I, I looked at him and I said, he's a single young man, doesn't have, li- doesn't have life insurance, health insurance, or anything like that. When he gets to the back part of the church, since I do have life insurance, I don't have children, and uh, if anything happens to me, if I break a leg, I'm covered. I'll take the back part of that church. Uh, the back part is screwing it off when he gets down to the edge. But he worked away, and eventually he'd say, Hey, Pastor Rick, you got the rope? I said, Sure do. Don't worry about it. You can trust me, and I'm tied off. Every, about every five minutes, he'd say, You got the end of the rope? I said, Sure do. Got it tied off. Uh, he'd get down to the edge, and he, he'd want to know, Got that tied off? I said, Sure do. Don't worry about it. You can trust me. Got it tied off. Towards the end of the day, he said, okay, it's your turn now. He handed me the screw gun, and I put a, a bunch of uh, screws in my pocket. I said, well, this will be interesting. And that, uh, that 612 pitch was just like ice, just like ice. If I hadn't had the rope, it, would have been, it wouldn't matter where you were on that roof. you just go slide right on, right on down to the ground. At one end of the eave, it's about 10, 12 feet, no problem. On the other end, it's two stories down. And right at the bottom were a bunch of pieces of rebar sticking about five feet out of the ground. And while I could picture somebody being shish kebobbed on it, uh, my preference would that it not be him or I. So um, as we got progressively down towards the end, that was 20 feet off the ground, I said, well, 
Now, have you got that, the end of that rope? Oh, yeah, I got the end of that rope. I said, are you sure? Oh, yeah, I'm tied off. And I'm going, okay, where's my faith? Where's my trust? Screwing a couple of screws in. Uh, you got me? Yeah, you're all tied off. I've got the end of the rope. Okay, screw a couple of more screws in. Getting down about a, uh, a foot from the bottom, very bottom, I say, you got me? You got me tied, tied real tight up there? Oh, yeah, we've got you tied real tight. And right around the edge of the fascia, you had to put in a couple of screws. So I'm leaning literally with my feet on the roof and my body off to the edge, uh, off the edge of the roof. And I'm going, what am I doing here in Santa Domingo for just a moment? And I'm putting those screws in as quickly as possible, teaching me a lesson about faith and trust. So let me ask you, friends, who's on the end of your rope today? Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Where are your problems? Great are your problems in life. Great is my problem. Great is my problem with people. Great is my solution through the Lord Jesus Christ. Great is my perseverance, but may it be said of you and me today, that as we come to Jesus and have that perseverance, may it be written in your history at this time and this place, that it might be said of you, great is your faith. Not because of the faith that you have, but because of the power and the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ to answer your request at his time that your faith may be strengthened. And may God bless you through the problems of life that your faith indeed may be great. No, no hugs with her broken ribs, please. Let's pray. Father, great is your faithfulness to us. Lord, you have blessed us in so many ways. When we come to you, Lord, um, by faith and through faith, you indeed do hear our prayers. At times, Lord, there's a period of silence. At times, Father, you seek for us to develop that perseverance that comes continually before your throne of grace. But Lord, in the quietness of this place this morning, there are those struggling with the issues of faith. Can I, trust, uh, can I trust Jesus? I used to trust him. I've trusted him in the past, but I just don't know. Lord, it's your faithfulness of being with them and us at times like this. Cultivate that faith and trust, Father, where we don't have it. That we might rejoice that great is not our possessions, great is not our accomplishments, but great is our faith in you, for we seek these blessings through Christ's precious name. Amen.